Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest And good morning to you, John Paul Mark Namara. Until one with Cork today, Bernie taking your comments on 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And Patricia feeling a bit better, so hopefully she'll be back with us tomorrow here on Cork today. Uh, but until one, we will be discussing what a lot of chiefs had to say to the Oireachtas Committee on Finance yesterday. And this is due to the ongoing rollover jackpot. It first came to light in the Dáil when it was raised by the Fine Gael Deputy Bernard Durkin from Kilgore. There and while some kind of laughed at him when he raised it at first, then others began to ask questions, going, Well, do you know he has a point? It is rolling over and rolling over and rolling over, and no one is winning. Uh, so, as more people got involved and as commentary raised across the country, uh, they did meet yesterday in uh, the Oireachtas Committee with Finance. On that committee from Cork is the Cork North Central Deputy McBarry. He'll join us on what happened at that meeting yesterday but what changes can we expect from Lotto following that meeting we'll discuss that very shortly and your views are welcome as always and yesterday we touched on this on how the Road Safety Authority they're going to launch tougher sanctions for drivers and this is a bid to reduce road deaths and hopefully have zero road deaths by 2050 I think everybody would like to achieve that Uh, but some of the measures that they are bringing in people were questioning because a lot of people feel uh, that there's a lot of measures already on drivers but the road networks are not sufficient to deal with the traffic and that was the, the a lot of the calls and texts we heard uh, yesterday on the show. We'll speak with the Road Safety Authority this morning on that and what sanctions are uh, they going to bring out over the next 10-20 years for drivers who, especially commuters who have no choice but to go to work by car every day. And in general, people living in rural areas will have no choice but to use their car because of the lack of transport, uh, public transport that is. So we'll discuss that with them on the programme this morning. Also, what are the next steps in relation to a flood relief scheme for Bantry? Uh, Bantry was in the news over the last few weeks again due to flooding and that was as a result of Storm Barra. Well, this week, the Minister for State at the OPW, Patrick O'Donovan, uh, he did visit Bantry and we'll speak to him this morning on what plans are ahead now and when 
works can start on a flood relief scheme for the town of Bantry. And we're also going to hear about Christmas from the Blackwater, which takes place this Saturday at Mallow Castle. What you can expect if you go along there this Saturday. Our Gardafile and we have pet advice with Jane. If there's a pet in your house you have a question about, well, Jane will be along after 12.30. You can call or text your pet questions for Jane on text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And between now and one, as we're doing all week, we're giving you the chance to win tickets to Riverdance with thanks to Aiken Promotions. You can see Riverdance live at the marquee next year on June the 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th. We'll be asking you later to text or WhatsApp and then in the show later on as well, we'll be coming on air, joining me on air and I'll be giving you a choice between a river or dance themed question and whichever you pick then will uh, give you that question you must get the correct answer and then if you do you head along to Riverdance next year live at the Marquee with thanks to Aiken Promotion so that and more between now and one o'clock and as always we'd love to hear from you uh, if there's something you want to comment on what we're discussing or raise something on the show uh, call Bernie on the comment line 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 you can tweet as well across the show at C103 Cork and I just I just want to start by passing on sympathies to a man who has been ringing this programme and ringing this radio station for a long, long time on different matters. And we spoke to Dennis Connolly, a very popular Bantry man, only less than a month ago, uh, because Dennis had suffered life-changing injuries in a single car crash in June. And he was in the National Rehabilitation Centre in Dunleary. And the community of Bantry and Dennis's family were fundraising for him to return home because obviously adaptions needed to be done to his home in Bantry. And he was looking forward to returning home in the new year and looking forward to rejoining the community of Bantry. But it was sad news we heard yesterday uh, that Dennis Connolly unfortunately passed away and the community in Bantry is mourning his loss. And he was an absolutely, he was a gentleman uh, and he was in touch with us long before this accident happened. We would have been in touch with Dennis because he was a big into local history from the uh, Whitty Island disaster. So he would have sent us in photos over the years and told his experience of uh, what happened on that night. He was a much-loved colleague in Roa Pharmaceuticals and Bantry. And just in general, everybody would have known Dennis from walking around Bantry with his beloved dog as well, Cara. And he was just one of those men whereby if you met and spoke to him, he had a real interest in what you were saying. Just a lovely, lovely man over the years. And he would rank here for various reasons from requests and whatnot as well. And we all would have spoken to him. So our sympathies this morning to everybody in Bantry, uh, the lovely man, Dennis Connolly, and our sympathies to his wife, Mary, and their son, Shane. And may he rest in peace. And in that interview we spoke with Dennis less than a month ago as I mentioned Liam O'Brien also joined us uh, on the fundraising side of things so we think of those as well this morning who were fundraising and working so hard uh, in their work to return um, and to adapt Dennis's home at that time so our sympathies to everybody there uh, this morning in Bantry we are thinking of you uh, the death of Dennis Connolly what a lovely lovely man may he rest in peace and a lot of news this morning and I'm sure you would have seen these headlines as well in the papers uh, and I suppose it's a worry in some regards but in other regards they're uh, forecasting the worst so not to scare people either but this is the uh, state's public health team and they have and they are meeting at the moment uh, with regards to tightening rules with restrictions mainly it seems anyhow will be hitting the large sporting events and hospitality as well as warnings about large family gatherings and house parties over the 
Christmas period are under uh, consideration. I mean, we're just over a week now to Christmas in the UK. Uh, when you see what's happening there, I mean, they have taken action at some times, then they haven't, but they're really taking action at the, at the moment. Uh, was it yesterday? I think there was. Uh, they recorded their highest daily total of confirmed COVID cases since the pandemic began of uh, over 78,000 new cases. That's an increase of 32% in one day. And here, the modelling that was presented to government on what could come from the Omicron variants, uh, and this was Minister Stephen Donnelly, Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly, was describing this after seeing that modelling, uh, that it was very stark is what he described. And we could see cases reported in some of the papers today of up to 20,000. Uh, but again, that is looking at the worst case scenario. Uh, I mean, we'd have to be We've heard of that before and, and cases never went you know, as high as that. Uh, but they have to forecast that just, I suppose, to warn people in a way. So uh, they are meeting at the moment. Uh, we will see what comes out of those meetings and we'll either know today if anything will be released or if a statement will be made tomorrow evening if we are going to hear of further restrictions. Are we going to see another kind of a state of address the nation uh, or a state of the nation address even uh, from Micheál Martin outside the government buildings? Uh, at six o'clock on a Friday evening. I'm not too sure. We'll have to wait and see. And we will be discussing that as well. If anything does come out of that later in the show or indeed tomorrow morning, we'll keep you updated. And something else that we keep getting calls on, and this is family dogs that people feel uh, they've not gone missing but they have been stolen. And a lot of calls we get here from people who are quite upset and, and feel their dog, they look after their dog, they're not, you know, careless where they leave the dog out and about on its own and then the dog can run away. These are people who really mind their dogs. Well, we know last Christmas at this time of the year, so many dogs were stolen from the Cork area right about, right over, not only in the county, but across the city and various areas of Munster as well. But it seems now up to 200 dogs are being stolen from Irish families every week as criminal gangs step up their efforts to cash in on the lucrative Christmas market for stolen canines. And Ireland's only pet detective, he's come public on this. Uh, His name is Robert Kinney and he says pet owners have been advised to guard their dogs over the festive season amid warnings that raids by dognappers are on the rise. And seemingly they are going for pedigree breeds uh, like King Charles and uh, Palms and more. But the reason they are targeting Ireland is because first of all compared to the UK, Ireland they find the gangs that is it's an easier place to steal dogs than the UK there's far more CCTV in homes in the UK and also many of the homes are in public areas which makes it harder for the gangs to steal dogs so that's why they are turning here to Ireland they're travelling from the UK to Ireland and the main reason is Ireland is far more rural so it makes it harder for the authorities here such as the Gardaí to monitor every single area which means the gangs can travel in and out of rural areas easier they find and there's less CCTV in rural areas so because of all of that it's Ireland that has been hit and still Ireland is the puppy farm capital of Europe as well uh, but yeah that's a worry and be careful of your dogs over Christmas that was a big issue uh, last December and it seems it could be a big issue again this December all for that very reason interesting the reason that um, uh, they're aware of rural Ireland and they're aware of how things work and that it, it, the Gardaí can't be everywhere but also uh, less chance of getting caught 
for uh, those who do come over uh, from the UK and steal our dogs. So just be aware of that and let people know uh, for the next few weeks, lock up your dogs and make sure that they are okay. When I mean lock up, I mean don't have them wandering around out near the roadside in a rural area whereby they'd be very safe usually. Uh, But a warning coming again this December because the last you want is a pet to go missing, especially over the Christmas period. Bad any time of the year, but over Christmas, not good. Uh, And if you have young children, not good either. Uh, Now, this is coming from Unpost. And on post, I suppose at this stage, are hearing about, you know, when any time there's a, a post office going to close, uh, local politicians will come out and say, you know, they're furious that this is happening. Well, on post have basically hit back and it's our chief executive, David Redmond, or David McRedmond, in the business section of many of the papers today, uh, where he basically saying that politicians have themselves to blame if local post offices do not survive. It's a warning he's giving for 2022 next year on the post office network because he's urging TDs and the government to use the network for more services and close and reduce the risk of further branch closures. The government, he says, need to use post offices and that's the only way they can do that is by introducing more government services and keeping the harp above the door. He says something like the pub payment, for example, would make a lot more sense, uh, says the chief executive of Post, David McRedmond, to have the pub payments going through the post offices rather than other ways they are doing it. Also, it reduced the fraud aspect as well. Uh, and he went on to say that, I suppose, from, from their point of view, from a post point of view, when they are going to close the post office or someone is finishing up on a lease uh, from Impost, he says, it's way too late when politicians come to me saying, oh, why are you closing the post office in some town? Well, he says, the reason is you did not provide the government services to keep that post office opening. So a warning for politicians that there's no point going to Impost next year uh, saying this and that and being, I suppose, crying when it's too late uh, when a post office closes. He's saying the government now need to ensure more government services are put to the way of the post office to keep them open in local towns a warning there from Unposts which you would think if they're hinting that are they looking at further changes to the Unpost network uh, with regards to local post offices next year but again they're putting the, the blame really uh, back on local politicians and uh, as I mentioned Unpost there just a word of warning that if you're planning to send a Christmas card to a loved one abroad uh, you're being reminded to post it before Saturday because Unpost uh, delivering uh, at the moment between 4 to 6 million letters and parcels each day this week as the Christmas rush is well underway uh, but if you do want to deliver a letter to someone in the UK you have until the 20th to guarantee it arrives on time so take note of that if you're posting overseas and then for farmers and this might be of interest for those in the farming community because the government have unveiled strict new slurry and fertiliser rules for all farmers and this is the next nitrate action programme and it includes tighter restrictions on fertiliser sales and spreading dates, as well as a ban on soil water spreading in December and new rules on slurry spreading and there in October. Now, all these new rules will come into force in 2022 and the programme also introduces mandatory low emission spreading for even lowly stocked farms and close examination of each farmer's slurry storage needs and capacity. It's making the Farmer's Journal today and on those slurry dates, which I suppose affects farmers, but also those who live in rural areas near farms, uh, from the 1st of January next year, all slurry generated on a farm must be spread by the 8th of October that year 
year and then from 2023 it must be spread by the 1st of October and I'm sure you'll hear more on that on Farm Talk on Saturday but a lot of changes coming in and, and that is all coming down again from what we spoke a number of weeks ago from the protest one of the things we spoke about one of the, the pointers was the Nitrates Action Programme and I'm sure as I said you'll hear more on Farm Talk on Saturday with Barry and John regarding that Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Three our lines are open 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and thank you to a number of people who have been in touch as I mentioned there the death of Bantry's popular man Dennis Connolly and a lot of people such as Marion Rathcool and Anne on WhatsApp and others wishing uh, his family well our sympathies to all his family and the people of Bantry on the way though how did a lot of chiefs get on yesterday when they met the Oireachtas Committee on Finance and what changes can we expect as the rollover continues discussing that next Lottery bosses are seeking a must-be-won lotto to ensure the current six-month rollover can never happen again now this was first raised by Fine Gael Deputy Bernard Durkin who we spoke with on the show previously lotto chiefs appeared in front of the Oireachtas Committee of Finance yesterday and Cork North Central Deputy McBarry is on that committee and he joins me this morning good morning to you Mick Hiya JP And thanks for joining us Now a lot of lotto players Are annoyed over this And many are looking for change Do you think After yesterday's meeting Change will come? Yeah I think it's going to happen um, As you said uh, The lottery bosses Are looking for Regulatory approval For a must win uh, Lotto um, The ball goes into the court now Of the lottery regulator uh, Who is a woman called Carol Boat Um she clearly got the message yesterday that the members of the committee uh, want this issue resolved and want uh, a must-win lotto draw, but she said she had to do two things. Number one, that she can square it with the rules of the lottery, and number two, that there would be no unintended consequences. Uh, but I would be very surprised uh, if the views of the committee weren't uh, reflected in her decision and... Uh, we were to have uh, a must-win lotto draw taking place in the not-too-distant future. And one of the things mentioned yesterday was reducing the number of balls from six to five. Yeah, that was a proposal that was uh, put forward by the Fine Gael deputy, uh, Bernard Durkin, who first highlighted the issue. Um, it seems that there are some legal problems with doing that. Uh, it seems that the the number of balls in the draw is, is uh, built into... Uh, the legal provisions for the lottery, and I don't think that's the way in which they're going to resolve it. I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a draw uh, one particular night where if uh, the draw isn't won uh, with getting all the right numbers, they'll go down to the next tier, if you know what I mean, mm. uh, and the people on the next tier uh, will will share the top prize between them. I think that's how it's going to happen. And why the those who are running the lottery, premier lotteries, they're saying, look, they're doing everything that they are doing within the regulations. Uh, have they said anything about a fall off in people playing the lotto? Because many people contacting us who were regular players feel at this stage, you know, it's not being won, it's rolling over. People who buy scratch cards are saying they're not winning a lot either. And they've more or less turned away slowly from the lotto. I mean, have they said they'd noticed that on the amount of people who were playing lotto? 
Uh, I'm not sure that they did. Um, I was there for most of the meeting, uh, JP, but as you know, it was taking place while the doll was in session mm-hmm. and I was I was in and out of the meeting. I, I caught most of it, but it's possible that something was said there that I didn't catch. But the very fact that they're proposing that there be this uh, one-off lotto draw is a sign that they think it's in their best interest. And uh, I think there is a fair bit of anecdotal evidence that, that, that the numbers are dropping off uh, yeah. uh, a bit. Yeah, must be, and and they did always during the meeting yesterday. They did a, they they kept saying that you know they're adhering to the rules and, and they're playing and they're they're going along with what they can do uh, with a regulatory matter. But one thing, and maybe you weren't in the meeting for this part of it, was the the winnings that aren't collected that go uh, somebody wins whatever amount and they don't go and collect it for some reason or another. That those winnings are then reinvested into the lottery for promotion. Many thought they were going back into the community, but they, they don't. They go back into promoting the lotto. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, the Sinn Féin uh, representative on the Finance Committee, uh, Maureen Farrell, asked uh, Premier Lottery uh, uh, Ireland's um, representative, Andrea Algeo, about that. Uh, and he clarified uh, that, yeah, it goes back into promoting the, 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 the lotto. In fact, I think it was the regulator, Carol Boat, uh, commented on that as well. It goes back into promoting uh, the lotto rather than into the question of uh, the prizes. Um, I have a breakdown here that you might be interested yeah, in. Yeah. Um, the monies that come in to the lotto, uh, 9 or 10% goes on profit. Uh, 57% approx goes on the jackpot. Uh, 28% on the causes community uh, causes, the good causes, uh, and about 6% uh, to the shops. One thing that I think that there needs to be a debate on now, the meeting was cut short yesterday because the meetings can only be for so long because of the COVID regulations, but there there does need to be a debate about the question of gambling, right? Now, I wouldn't see the the National Lottery as being as... um, they're not as uh, aggressive uh, in, the, in, the, in their marketing as the likes of uh, the big betting companies, okay? Um, but still, what we are talking about uh, here is gambling. And gambling is a huge and increasing problem in our society. Um, I saw a stat when I was doing a bit of reading in preparation for this call here that there's now €10,000 spent every minute in Ireland on gambling with 50,000 people um uh, got a, a severe problem with it and 200,000 people uh, at risk uh, of a problem. And I think that some of the uh, lottery monies should be put to one side uh, to assist people who have gambling addictions. I also think, by the way, that advertising for gambling, and in particular advertising for uh, uh, gambling on sporting events like, what do they call it, um, uh, you know, sponsorship that, that, that of, of games, yeah, in, and TV in, in-game gambling. But mm. at half time, you've got the ads coming on. Uh, I think that that does need to be banned uh, without a doubt. And I suppose the lotto, in fairness to them, they do have a message up on both their radio, TV ads and online ads saying, you know, about the gambling and, and beware. Uh, but it's the, a percentage of what you, the percentages you give out there should go towards uh, gambling addictions and maybe local firms and local charities that help people in that way that can overcome gambling. Because we have heard, Mick, and you'll be aware of this, of people who get addicted to the scratch cards that you can buy there. Yeah, the, the there are... Uh, um, the. The lottery do have a few safeguards in place. I would think that they have more safeguards in place than the big betting companies. 
Uh, but having said that, um, you know, their mandate is to is to maximise their profit. It was privatised in 2015. Um, oh, we just lost Mick there. We might just get him back on the line there again. Because I want to ask him about the reduction, which a lot of people were texting us in and calling us with at the time we initially spoke about this. Will they reduce the number of balls in the drum? I want to know uh, if that will be something they will do and when can we know changes on that? Just two questions I want to get um, to make with. And I suppose as he mentions there about the sell-off of the National Lottery, we did speak with Bernard Durkin on that at the time as well and he felt that there was no choice that the government had to sell the National Lottery and, and privatise it because the Troika were in town and a lot of the family silver had to be sold and that decision had to be made. Uh, and I suppose you, you could say, was it a good idea or a bad idea? As Bernard said at the time, they had no choice. The Troika basically said, you have to do this. And that has led to this situation. Now, uh, Mick is back with us there. Mick, just before I let you go, uh, a lot of listeners asking this at the time and again this morning, the reduction of balls in the drum, was that ever mentioned yesterday? Would that be a possibility that that could happen? Yeah, it seems that there's a legal difficulty with that and I don't think they're going to go down that road. I think what they're going to do is they're going to do uh, the draw for the big prize and if there is the winner on the night then they'll go down to the next year. And, and people on the next year will, 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 will get the funds. When can we see changes coming in regarding what was mentioned yesterday if the lottery regulator is happy with what was said and what was suggested when can changes be seen? I think it was clear that people want this tidied up fairly quickly uh, and I, I would imagine that we're not going to be waiting uh, months and months to get to get this sorted out. Uh, but we'll keep a close eye on it. While I'm on the show, uh, JP, mm-hmm. if I could just make one brief comment yeah. uh, about an issue that will be of concern to um, some listeners uh, in your, your range there. It's um, That was an important decision uh, that uh, was revealed in the pages of The Echo yesterday. Uh, in relation to um, the onboard Planala approval for the new development at the old Blarney Park Hotel site mm-hmm. uh, in, in Blarney. Um, I mean, there, there, there's proposals there in terms of new homes, there's proposals there in terms of hotel and office space. But for me, the, the key issue there, and I think this is a very important issue to keep an eye on, uh, is the approval for a supermarket uh, in Blarney, in the Blarney Tower community. You've got a situation there at the moment where householders are being forced in reality to travel all the way out to Balancholic, to travel all the way uh, into Blackpool uh, every week in order to do their weekly shop. Um, the, the lack of a big retail unit in the area uh, that's you know selling uh, uh, food at, at, at affordable uh, and reasonable rates. It's something that people there really need. I think it's something there that people really want. And I think this has to happen now. I don't think there should be any attempt to overturn uh, that proposal. It's very important for the community. And it's included that. in that proposal. Is it for a supermarket? It is, yeah. yeah so you, you wanted that go ahead and you don't want the objections to that, given now that Blarney is a, a big population area, a big population base in the city. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You know, obviously a huge thing in Blarney is the question of tourism, is the question of heritage, is the question of um, uh, the castle, uh, and that should remain the case. However, it can't be uh, the only thing uh, in terms of facilities on the ground. There, there are large numbers of families, large number of households, people living there, etc. And uh, they should have the facilities that other large communities uh, in Cork City and County have, uh, and that includes a local supermarket and not being forced 
to travel out long distances for, I mean, the supermarkets there for, for buying, you know, goods on a daily basis or for a couple of days. But in terms of doing the big shop, the weekly shop, something that's really affordable, uh, it's important that this happens. OK, we'll wait and see what does happen for the moment, Mick. Uh, we look forward to changes in the lotto that uh, hopefully will happen as well in early 2022. And thanks for joining us this morning. See you in the new year. Happy Christmas. And many happy returns. That is Deputy Mick Barry uh, on what was discussed yesterday at the Finance Committee regarding the lottery. It seems the, what people were looking for regarding the reduction of balls in the drum won't happen, uh, but they are looking at overall changes to the lottery system. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We'll have to see. Uh, will the jackpot be won around Christmas? A lot of people feel it will. Uh, we'll see what happens over the next week. Anyhow, tougher sanctions for drivers are going to be underway and this is in a bid to reduce road debts and hopefully have zero road debts by 2050. It's from the Road Safety Authority and we will speak to the RSA next. There could be tougher sanctions for drink and drug driving under plans to reduce road debts. The new strategy aims to cut the number of fatalities and serious injuries by 50% before the end of the decade. Among the proposals are a 30k speed limit in urban areas and an online reporting system for traffic offences. Brian Farrell is from the Road Safety Authority and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. At this Vision Zero, do you think it's achievable considering a lot of what happens on the road, I suppose, is down to human nature? Yeah, it's, it's a very good uh, question. Um, and I suppose just to, just to maybe explain to your listeners, th- this is Ireland's fifth government's road safety strategy that we've launched. And it's, as you said, it's our, it's, it's the first step in our journey towards Vision Zero, which is to eliminate all deaths and serious injuries from our roads by 2050. But the strategy itself, as I said, is going to span the decade and its target, which is the first step towards that vision, is to reduce the number of people being killed and, and seriously injured on our, on our roads by 50%. So that means reducing road deaths from 144 to 72 by the end of the decade and reducing the number of serious injuries from um, uh, 1,200 to 630 or lower uh, by the end of the decade. And and yes, it is absolutely achievable because we we have identified 50 high-impact actions that are designed to get us there and, and, and a further 136 supporting actions, as I said, designed to help us get us there. And that's just in the Phase 1 action plan, which is up to 2024. There are two further phases of action plans that will be implemented along the trip to to 2030, which are all designed to get us there. And John Paul, one of the things that's different about this road safety strategy, government road safety strategy, compared to any of the previous ones, it actually has a statement of resources. It's actually backed with funding that's pretty much 90% committed in place for all the agencies to deliver their interventions and and it's being funded to the tune of 3.8 billion and uh, of that about 3.2 billion is 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 earmarked towards infrastructure which is absolutely critical because um it's it's important that we eliminate the uh, you know the black spots on our roads the high risk locations but we also need to start investing in active travel infrastructure to protect cyclists and pedestrians and, and encourage that uh, that that mode of transport that that active travel as well and when you mentioned the infrastructure and the funding that will go within that one of the items mentioned is expanding the network of speed cameras and also mentioned is roadside cameras when you say roadside cameras is that the introduction of fixed cameras on the roadsides like they have in other countries yeah what we're looking at the, the three big areas you can roughly you know bunch all, a lot of the actions into three key areas and that speed and also infrastructure, as I mentioned, and then safe vehicles. 
on speed, the, the measures that are there are to review the speed limits. The first one is to review the speed limits and look at the feasibility of introducing a 30 kilometer per hour default speed limit in our urban areas, which is something that's happening pretty much across all of Europe and, and European cities at, at, at the moment. The second piece then is, is controlling the f- speed of the vehicle. So things like intelligent speed assistance, which can help the driver stick to the speed. The, the, literally, the vehicle reads the speed limit signs and matches the speed of the vehicle to, to, to match the speed limit that they're in in a particular area. And then the third thing is, is enforcement and effective enforcement of the speed limits to prevent drivers from breaking speed limits. And, and in those measures, as you say, one of the things that's being looked at is the introduction of average speed cameras. And there are two average speed cameras in, 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 in operation at the moment. There's the one that people would be familiar with if they're driving on the, on the, on the M7. And there's one in the Port Tunnel in Dublin, and it's it, it's 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 two cameras over over a distance. And if you complete your journey faster than the speed limit uh, should allow you to, uh, well, then you know you know that you've been breaking the speed limit in, on you know along the distance along the, the the line of your or the route of your your you know between the. X and Y, where the where, where the cameras are placed, it means that you've been speeding, and, and there's a ticket in the post. Because what we find with collisions in this country, it's never a case of X marks the spot. This is exactly where all the collisions are happening. The speed-related collisions are happening. It's usually over maybe a, a five or, or you know you know three-kilometer stretch of road. So I think we're going to see more average speed cameras in places where people are being killed and seriously injured in speed-related uh, speed-related collisions. Uh, John Paul, and will they be advertised in like the car? Current speed cameras and and the vans that we have in the roads. Will we see signposts highlighting that these cameras will be in place? And can we see them then on roads here in Cork, for example, like the Cork to Mallow Road or the the Clonakilty to the Skibbereen Road or the South Ring? That's it, it, the locations of these cameras and the average speed cameras hasn't been decided yet. So that that's all still to be done. But our view and the Road Safety Authority's view would be, and this is consistent with the policy to date, is that we're trying to stop people from speeding, not catch people speeding. Mm-hmm. And that we would be very much in favour of publicising where they are and letting people know where they are, giving the information to satellite navigation companies so that they can program into their systems to warn drivers that they're entering these lo- uh, the, these areas. Uh, because, as I said, it's about stopping people from speeding. It's, it's not about catching people. And one thing that I didn't see acknowledged in this is the state of a road network, which doesn't come under your remit. But at the same time, when we mentioned this briefly yesterday, Brian, we got inundated with people who feel that our roadways are the cause of a lot of accidents across the country. And an example, and you'll know this road well, uh, the Bandon to Clonakilty Road, the N71. A number of examples were how bad the road is in, in certain locations if there's a slow driver or maybe a slow-moving vehicle and you can get impatient drivers behind who want to take a risk and overtake, that can lead and is leading, unfortunately, to a lot of deaths on our roads. And people feel if we had a better road network, we would have less deaths on our roads because of those examples of people being impatient. I mean, would you agree with those texts and callers we got yesterday that our road network and the state and conditions of our roads, especially here in Cork, we're not like other parts of the country where they have motorways. We have nothing, only one motorway. Well, the first thing I say is I share in the frustration of your listeners and I drive that stretch of road on a daily basis. So, yes, it is frustrating. I know that they are doing some works on, the, on it at the moment or doing resur- resurfacing works and that's very much welcome. But look, I mean, does that, you know, just because, a, a, you know, you're, you're not happy with a stretch of road, you're not happy with the quality of the stretch of road, it doesn't mean or there's a slow driver in front of you that 
does not excuse you. The rules of the road are very clear. You know, you, you still have to behave responsibly and within the rules of the road. And, um, you know, if you take a danger, make a dangerous overtaking maneuver, you know, you know, that, uh, you, you know, that's, that's, that, that's putting your life and others at risk. So, what the research tells us, John Paul, I suppose this is the, the you know, I suppose the answer to your question, is that in 90% and more of cases uh, where collisions are happening on roads, it, it's not the state of the road, it's unfortunately our own behaviour. It's And it's those old chestnuts, they haven't gone away of, of inappropriate and excessive speed, it's not wearing the seatbelt, uh, it's impaired driving, whether through drink or drugs or, or driver fatigue, and it's and it's careless inattention and, and you know, being distracted using the mobile phone. Unfortunately, they're the, the old chestnuts, but what the road safety strategy does acknowledge is that, and, 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 you know, not to get too technical about the strategy, it uses a thing called the safe system approach, which is the internationally recognized uh, best practice in road safety and road safety strategies. And it acknowledges the fact that people make mistakes on the roads, but they shouldn't have to pay for it with their lives or serious injuries. So it's critically about, yes, drivers and road user behavior, uh, you know, being monitored and checked, uh, and, and, and encouraging people to behave safely on the roads, but it's also about ensuring that the infrastructure is there, the built infrastructure is there, so that if something does go wrong, it doesn't end in, in, in yeah. a fatality and doesn't end in a serious injury. So there is a lot of work. I mean, this is a really ambitious strategy, John Paul. We're not under any illusions that this, this is a really ambitious strategy. There's a lot of work to be done to ensure that all parts of the system within the, within, within road safety on our roads is, is brought up to scratch to be able to be in a situation where, uh, you know, we, we can get towards vision zero and not forgetting as well that the next decade, I think, is probably going to be the most transformational compared to any previous strategy because we know that there's there's so many things happening, uh, innovations happening, and certainly on new vehicle technology and autonomous vehicles and the new safety assist features that are coming in, which are designed to, you know, where the car literally takes over and stops you from crashing. There's a lot of stuff that's coming down the track, which I think are going to help us uh, get towards that 50% cut and ultimately that vision zero uh, ambition of no deaths and serious injuries by 2050. And very briefly L drivers and learner drivers and novice drivers also mentioned within this and I suppose we have a lot in rural areas and, and these are people who feel they have no choice but to drive on their own because they can't get from A to B. Is this something that we will see a further clampdown under this plan? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, and look, we, we, we consulted internationally in developing the strategy uh, with, with the European Commission, experts in Australia, and even, you know, closer to home. I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation if we were in the north of Ireland, John Paul. You know, you just do not drive unaccompanied under any circumstances. So there's a commitment in the strategy to eliminate unaccompanied driving by learner drivers completely. We, we really do need to, you know, er- eradicate this problem. And, and, and you know, it's, it's about understanding that a, a learner permit is just that. It, it per, it's a permit that allows you to drive or learn to drive uh, under restrictions. It's not a driving license. And, and we really do need to also finally, uh, because it's 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 an it's it's an action that has been passed over from previous road safety strategies. We have to eliminate the practice of people um, rolling their learner permit over and avoiding taking a driving test. That has to end as well. And there are serious commitments in the strategy uh, to, to to tackle that particular problem once and for all.
Okay, Brian, well, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we'll see, I suppose, the measures that do come into place over the next while on the Vision Zero. Uh, but to you, Merry Christmas and uh, thanks for joining us over the last year. Thank you, and to you and your listeners, John Paul. Thank you. I have a good one. Uh, that is Brian Farrell there from the Road Safety Authority. And your views welcome on Vision Zero. Do you feel that it is achievable? 1850-333-103. And what he has outlined there, I mean, do you agree with that? Uh, I think everybody wants to have zero road deaths on our roads. Uh, but how it is enforced, uh, are you agreeing uh, with what their plan is to bring that in? You can text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103. JP with you until one. Your calls and comments are well. Welcome to Bernie on 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And still to come, our Gardafoy will also hear what's happening this Christmas with Christmas from the Blackwater at Mallow Castle this coming Saturday. And what are the next steps in relation to a flood relief scheme for Bantry? The Minister of State for the OPW, Patrick O'Donovan, was in Bantry this week and we'll hear what are the next steps to alleviate flooding in the town of Bantry. That and more to come. But a lot of calls comments in on what we were discussing earlier in the show. And first of all, this is going back to the Omicron variant and the concerns, I suppose, at the moment across the country on how Ireland will react considering other countries are seeing huge cases at the moment. And as we speak, there is meetings underway. And there seems to be a bit of anticipation that there could be further restrictions in store. Uh, Nefesh are currently meeting with the health minister and they're worried that the Omicron wave could be worse than the peak of Delta. Uh, the health officials will then consider more restrictions if they will be needed over Christmas. Uh, currently, if you're speaking to any ministers or if you're listening to the Taoiseach Michal Martin, schools will remain as they are. Uh, there's no changes to the Christmas holidays for schools and they don't really want to enforce any further restrictions, but that could be different after today. And they're looking at the UK very closely where they are changing how they operate in the UK as well because of the huge cases they are seeing there. Anyhow, a lot of people are reacting to this regarding calls and comments. Uh, Margaret is in Kinsale. Margaret in Kinsale feels that doctors and chemists all over uh, they should be offering a vaccination to the young people. They are the ones who will be going out over the Christmas period and I suppose you know it's not up to the doctors or the chemists it's up to, to HSE and the Department of Health uh, and as you heard yesterday from, or even this morning on our news service from the Irish Dental Association they were told one thing yesterday by the HSE and that changed overnight so it did, I suppose the doctors would be happy enough to do that and chemists but it isn't up to them it's up to the HSE and the Department of Health who will issue instructions to uh, the GPs and indeed those in our pharmacies and uh, somebody else here is saying Hi JP oh, this is Nora who says I think the cases are too high and they should close the bars until January people won't die without pubs close them down uh, says Nora on text to 0862103103 again no no talk about changing anything in the hospitality sector uh, either. And they have been through a lot over the last two years. We've spoken to so many bar owners and restaurant owners and hoteliers who you know, feel they are doing everything they can, that their establishments now are safe and they are adhering to all the uh, restrictions in for them and the measures in for them. So 
I don't know what people agree with Nora. She feels that cases will go too high and that the bars should be closed over the Christmas periods to give us all a chance for January and February. That is Nora's view on text. And then a listener who says, a concerned listener regarding the booster programme from the government, uh, she feels that they're not highlighting the side effects. People are saying they have uh, sore arms or a dead arm for a few days and some people have taken time off work. Uh, Surely the side effects should be advised at the time. Well, I'm sure they are advising the side effects. I mean, if you get the flu jab, if you have ever got the flu jab over the years, you will have a sore arm. Not all will have a sore arm, but some people will get a sore arm. Uh, But they do advise before you go in for any vaccination of the side effects. And one of those can be a sore arm. It can be fatigue. Uh, They say you'll have mild symptoms after. Uh, and, And that's for every various booster or vaccine you would have got over the years if you do take them up. Uh, again, it's everybody's choice if they want to get it or not. And uh, if you are, you know, be, be aware of the side effects. They're openly online. Um, doctors will tell you. And you can ask as well, of course, if you want to know the side effects before you go in, you can ask. But they are uh, readily available for everybody. But yeah, you will. I mean, it depends on the person. Everybody is different. Everybody's made up different. So just because one person reacts one way doesn't mean another person will react the same way. It really depends on, on your makeup, I suppose. Uh, but you mean, if you are concerned, I would read up on the Department of Health or HSC websites if you you know haven't asked a, a GP or a medic on that. But I do know wherever you go, usually for any type of vaccine, as I say, mentioned just a flu jab before COVID ever came along, uh, they will say that you know you you may experience a sore arm after this flu jab. And again, some people do and they suffer, and then some people have no effects whatsoever. And on the lotto, we spoke to Deputy McBarry on the lotto chiefs appearing before the Rockless Committee on Finance yesterday. Uh, a lot of people texting in on uh, this one because when we were mentioning the gambling aspect, somebody has just texted and saying lotto, it should be axed that that will resolve it all uh, says that texter but Aileen in Clonakilty says it's a pity that they cannot reduce the balls in the lotto drum and this is what we discussed and asked uh, Deputy McBarry about and he says uh, due to some regulation they don't think they can do this uh, so they are looking at other measures but Aileen feels it's unfair they are not allowed to do this she hopes that the new measures we mentioned will mean that the lotto now can be won uh, and hopefully within the next few weeks says Aileen in Clonakilty and we spoke with Brian Farrell of the Road Safety Authority just before news at 11 on the tougher sanctions for drivers and this is in a bid to reduce road debts and hopefully have zero debts on our road by 2050. We explained some of the measures and he went through them there before 11. And we also expressed the concerns of calls and texts we received yesterday from listeners who say uh, the infrastructure that we drive on, the roads are not up to scratch or are not capable of the traffic and because of that they are leading to debts on our roads and that is a factor that has never mentioned. Well, it was something we, we discussed before 11 with the Road Safety Authority and you know, in the Greens and a lot of the way uh, that our roads aren't up for scratch and it's very frustrating to be on roads that are, are full of traffic or that you know are, have a bad road surface and you can't get from A to B as, uh, you know, not as fast as you like but the way you should compared to maybe people in other counties who have a better road network but on this John is a Morn Abbey and first of all John feels that modern cars they're just too powerful they need to reduce the power in the engines of new cars says John in Morn Abbey while another John in Carrick Tools says in Cork City Centre the yellow boxes in some streets they're faded so no one can see them and now the yellow lines and the white lines are all fading this is an accident waiting to happen if you can't see the yellow boxes people will drive 
drive in, which will hold up traffic and frustrate drivers. And then uh, no yellow lines and no white lines. People are driving in between lanes because they can't see what lane they are in. A very good point. John in Carrigtool. Pat is in Kilmallock. He says the motorist is being screwed in this country. What about the cyclists and pedestrians in dark clothing and wearing headphones? We need to get rid of this tree-hugging Green Party, says Pat in Kilmallock, who has a concern about those who walk at night with dark clothing, uh, no reflective gear on, and wearing headphones so they don't hear oncoming traffic. Uh, Dennis is in Ballyfeehan and Dennis says, I'm glad the Road Safety Authority recognised the infrastructure and the frustration that this is causing to drivers. That's the first time I have heard them mention this, says Dennis. I know not every county has fantastic roads, but most have dual carriageways at some point between towns. East Cork is a great example of this. Outside of Castle Martyr and Killa, the road from Carrigtoon to Middleton is a great roadway. But if there was a dual carriageway from Mallow to Canturk or Bandon to Clonakilty, for example, says Dennis, wouldn't that make a huge difference? And then hopefully reduce road deaths as people are more impatient and passing out on corners is a concern and it does happen because people get frustrated if they're stuck on a roadway that's busy and they're trying to get from A to B and that is the big cause of accidents that Dennis feels anyhow in Ballyfeehan and on devices to be fit to cars to slow them down a texter here says that is no problem fit a device in all cars to slow them down it can be done and another texter who says hi John Paul yeah Yes, drivers overtaking are a lot to do with crashes. I nearly witnessed a collision last Friday on the Kishkame to Bally Desmond Road as a van overtook me and another car coming up to a bend on a hill on a continuous white line and he was only barely back inside uh, the lane when a big milk lorry came the other way and I was braking in anticipation and the fear of a crash, says that person on text and, and that's what we were saying regarding the road network. People do get impatient to take chances and well that ended up okay as you say when you were breaking it could have ended up in a very different situation thank you for your text to 0862103103 and Mark has been on regarding the farmers and this is something I mentioned earlier uh, for the agricultural industry but also for anybody living in a a rural area near a farm is to do with the nitrates action programme and the new measures coming in regarding slurry spreading Mark says hi John Paul it only takes and makes sense to spread slurry in the spring of the year this is when you get the best results from slurry as a farmer it's a shame to see other farmers spreading slurry in the month of November is it any wonder we have the EU imposing more regulations on us it's not fair on the farmers who obey the law some farmers just keep too many cattle and have no storage for all this slurry stocking rates on farms must be lowered says Mark on text to 0862103103 and John in Castleton Roach is raising something and that we touched on a few months ago at this stage on the show. And I suppose it doesn't affect us here in Cork, but it is affecting people in the northwest of the country, in Sligo and Donegal. And this is the Mika, the Mica uh, problem. John in Castleton Roach is asking, where was the industrial research and standards body? What were they doing at the time? They are supposed to be testing the quality of products used in buildings. Now, the taxpayer is asked to pay for all the damage. Also, a lot of the water treatment 
treatment plants are substandard now and is the taxpayer again going to be asked to pay for this? Asks John in Castleton Roach. And yet we heard from Irish Water not only in the last week when it's been on our news but also over the last month of the works they have to do and carry out because of the water network not being up to scratch but outside of that with the uh, situation in Donegal and the, basically the homes uh, of people falling apart and bricks falling off walls and everything because of the MICA scheme well, uh, the, uh, for a lot of people up there John they're not happy with the redress scheme and, and you're right it, it, it's, it's funny when you hear people talking because here in this part of the country we're not happy that the redress scheme is more or less going ahead I don't think anybody uh, you know is looking at those families and saying they should not get anything but I suppose that it's not affecting everybody in this neck of the woods people are asking a lot more questions than they are maybe in the northwest of the country and the detail of the redress scheme for MICA and for homeowners and the square foots that are being capped on the rebuilding costs well that is leaving many property owners out of pocket there in Donegal they're not happy with what it's an offer but it's interesting to hear people who are saying yes the taxpayer will have to pay for this again and how one part of the country is happy the taxpayer is paying because they feel it wasn't their fault they bought every everything in good faith their house they felt was built in good faith and now because the government didn't I suppose push the regulatory body a lot as you say John there the industrial research and standards body what were they doing that things weren't followed up with them and the government uh, th- those who have homes which are basically falling apart feel that the government should pay them and many would support them in that but then it's interesting to see uh, when you're not in the situation those saying yeah totally see what they're, where those people are coming from uh, but at the same time why is it the taxpayer paying for everything why are we picking up the mess for this uh, so mixed views on that certainly wherever you are across Ireland uh, and I think here people are asking about the money that has been sent spent by taxpayers on that scheme uh, for Donegal and indeed many homes in Sligo and parts of Mayo as well. Uh, thank you for your call John to 1850 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way we will be discussing the next steps in relation to a flood relief scheme for Bantry. Uh, the Minister for State for the OPW Patrick Donovan will join us very shortly but Riverdance it is live at the Marquee next June the 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th and we have tickets to Riverdance to give away with thanks to Aiken Promotions. If you would like to win, just simply text your name and where you are now or indeed on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And then later in the show, you'll come on air with me and you'll choose between a river-themed question or a dance-themed question. So if you want to take part, text or WhatsApp now 0862103103, your name and where you are. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include a caretaker required for maintenance of sports grounds and buildings in the Blarney, Whitechurch, Granada and Kilcolly areas. You can phone 083-303-5365 for further details. A tractor driver is wanted in Kinsale. For further details, contact 087-2989-160. And Irish yogurts in Clonakilty have vacancies for a health and safety manager, a dispatch supervisor and cold store operator. You can apply with your CV to k.hurley at irish-yogurts.ie or phone 023-88-34745 for further details. And you'll get these details and a lot more job opportunities. Just go online now to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
Minister of State with responsibility for the Office of Public Works, Patrick O'Donovan, visited Bantry this week where he met with residents and business owners in the town and heard at first hand about the extent of the damage caused by flooding during Storm Barrow last week. And Minister Patrick O'Donovan joins me on the programme this morning. Good morning to you, Minister. Morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I suppose you've heard firsthand from those affected and a lot of this was due to the culvert in Bantry that we've spoken about over the last number of years. Uh, when that gets full, more or less, it does cause flooding in the centre of the town. Uh, your reason for going to Bantry this week was to get that experience and are you committed now to major flood relief for the scheme in Bantry because those in Bantry, I suppose, are looking at their near neighbours in Skibbereen and Clonakilty and have seen war- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss works continuing on there and have seen the benefits in some way anyway to those towns uh, in some parts of the town will that happen for Bantry and how soon will all this kick off yeah well first of all look I, I want to, to thank um, the outdoor workers of um, Cork County Council the volunteers the fire workers the, the fire services and um, my own uh, staff in the Office of Public Works um, and and the community there in Bantry, uh, who have yet again experienced, uh, you know, unfortunately another flooding event, um, thanks to Storm Barra. Um, now, while twenty four to twenty eight properties were affected this time, the the reality is, uh, and it's no comfort to the people that were affected. It could have been an awful lot worse uh, were it not for the fact that uh, in the two weeks running into the storm itself. Um, we had exceptionally low levels uh, of rainfall, so the gauges in, in most of the rivers uh, running into uh, towns like Bantry were actually quite low. So uh, that's no comfort to, to, to the town of Bantry, but you are right. And in the West Cork area, the Office of Public Works have commissioned and completed uh, a lot of work that has delivered um, successfully uh, to the West Cork area in places like uh, Skibbereen, Clannacilty, Bandon, uh, on top of areas like Mallon for my, um, we want to try and conclude in in the areas like Cork City itself, uh, and get on with the projects in uh, Blackpool and Glenmire as well. So we have a very ambitious program works, and I was joined on the day by um, uh, 
the senior officials of Cork County Council, which demonstrated not only our commitment by the Office of Public Works, but as well as that, uh, the commitment of uh, Cork County Council, um, the Cork County Manager, uh, the Assistant County Manager, and the Cork County Engineer were all there. So this is a huge project from our point of view. There is government support. There is government funding for it. It's part of what's called CFREM, uh, which is the government's um, overarching strategy for um, the delivery of major flood relief uh, projects. Uh, and Bantry is a, a major part of that. So the local representatives were there, and um, there is two major aspects to it. Uh, one is this culvert, which is a, an underground river, which is... Um, uh, flowing right down to the centre of the town. It, it's not my first time seeing it, but unfortunately, last August, uh, we had two sources uh, of, of flooding. One was the surge from the from the, the harbour itself, and the second was um, backflow from um, the, the culvert, which uh, uh, emptied out into premises in the upper part uh, of, of the town, uh, causing havoc there. This time around, it was uh, down around the square and in the area facing out into the, the harbour and into the bay itself, uh, causing difficulty for for um, for premises there. So, we're I suppose we're dealing with it through Cork County Council in two different aspects. One is the culvert, um, which the council have a lot of work done on in terms of um, surveying and uh, uh, dealing with I suppose identifying how the problem is going to be um, uh, taken out. The second part is um, the appointment of consultants, which we uh, are now at the, the point of hopefully being able to do it early in January after Christmas, once the cooling off period is, is finished um, for the um, initiation of sea friends uh, proper for, for, for Bantry. Um, and that will in, involve um, a quite a, a wide-ranging public consultation uh, where we will be encouraging, and I will be down myself again, um, asking the public in, in the town of Bantry to engage with uh, Cork County Council and the Office of Public Works uh, through the people that we employ uh, to give their views as to the, the type of scheme that will ultimately go to planning permission and that will likely be to um, board Planala um, and that you know we get to a situation then uh, where um, we can uh, alleviate um, um, the problems that are being faced in the town um, along the lines of what we've done in Planacilty, Bandon, Skibbereen, Mallow for my um, and all the other towns uh, in the south of the country, like uh, Clanmel, which have been ravaged by flooding over many, many years. So and with Bantry, I suppose, Patrick, just when you mentioned there the, the, the various elements of how flooding occurs, there's kind of a tidal element, I suppose, and the flooding under from the culvert. Will they be two separate works? I mean, when, we'll start, when you start off with the works, will the culvert be the first option for you? And how soon <coughs> could work start just on the culvert? Because that's the main, I suppose, worry we're getting here from residents in, ba- in Bantry and indeed uh, business owners as well. Well, the work has already started in the sense that the projects have been split in two uh, and the Cork County engineer, uh, through his team, has an awful lot of the surveying um, through um, underground surveys already completed. So, you know, they will be hoping in 2022 to be in a position of being able to go to tender uh, on the culvert itself. Now, there's a lot of agencies that are involved in this uh, and the mayor of Cork was there with me as well the other day and, and, you know, the local representatives were very anxious to find out that this culvert is going to involve uh, quite a lot of disruption to the town because it's an underground river um, that you're essentially dealing with. So, and, and there will be a, a lot of consultation with the property owners and the business owners in the town to deal with it. It is not an easy thing to go um, uh, engaging with an underground river, particularly in a town that's of, you know, uh, so complicated in terms of its architecture and the streets are narrow. Um, and as well as that, you're dealing with um, the topography of the town, even just standing in the square looking up. I mean, it, it, you're, it's essentially inside in a bowl where all the hills have to drain down 
uh, through the river and out into the harbour. So it's a very complicated scheme in terms of the engineering that's going to be um, uh, arrived at to, to deal with this. But the commitment stands uh, from the government's point of view. And I asked the county engineer um, in the meantime to examine if there were um, intermediate steps that could be taken, you know, in the absence of the permanent um, flood relief scheme, that if he would look to see um, other towns that have taken uh, what we call short-term measures, um, especially where there is uh, flooding from the tide, um, like places like Galway and think, and uh, I'm thinking of larger population places where they do deploy uh, temporary defences to see if those would be um, something that would be workable for Bantry. Now we already have a lot of pumps that are deployed and, and large one-ton sandbags but if there are other things that would be able to be deployed on a temporary basis so he is going to look at that as well. So it isn't for the want of support between the Office of Public Works and, and uh, Cork County Council but uh, when I met the traders I was very anxious to point out as well that um, the Office of Public Works uh, are um, you know like anybody applying for planning permission. Uh, we are a building agent and we work in collaboration with the local authority and together we have to apply uh, for planning permission and in this case you know whether we like them or not there are a number of laws that are laid out uh, that we have to comply with uh, and that uh, ourselves and the council have to adhere to there are a number of environmental regulations and appropriate assessments that we will have to go through um, that are set out in, in, in European law uh, and we have to adhere to them uh, and you know while uh, all going well and all swimmingly uh, you know these things uh, naturally can happen but out of the blue, someone can come forward with an objection or an observation and it can uh, lead to um, many, many years of delays. Uh, and that often happens as well. And we have to be prepared for that and we have to be honest with people and upfront with people on that. And when you talk about the delays that could happen and the issuing of various contracts, I mean, for the culvert, first of all, are you talking over a year, two years? I mean, people will expect disruption. They would have seen that yes. disruption in Bandon and Clonakilty and Skibreen and other towns. But uh, in, in re, I suppose you'd have the experience over the years in dealing with this, the reality of, of diggers being in the grounds. Are we talking yes. 2023? Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, you know, there will be significant disruption. Um, this is a very complicated scheme. Uh, and, you know, I want to be very upfront to people that, um, you know, they're splitting this scheme in two will involve significant disruption. Uh, but it is for the betterment of the town. Um, you know, the climate is changing rapidly, and we do know that the prevalence of Atlantic storms is uh, having a particularly detrimental effect on towns like Bantry, and it is getting worse. And, um, you know, I was struck by, uh, we had a number of uh, colleagues there, um, including uh, Senator Tim Lumbert and Senator Dennis O'Donovan, but one of the things that Senator Dennis O'Donovan, for instance, said but was, you know, when he was growing up, you know, you might get a storm once every five or six years in the Bantry uh, area. Now you're getting a couple of them maybe every year. Uh, and the reality is that um, we know that. Uh, and anybody that and we do have politicians at a senior level in the Dáil that, you know, for instance, are climate deniers and saying that there's no such thing as climate change. But for the people living in the Bantry area, they know that they're living with climate change. Uh, and unfortunately, in some cases, um, we know that people that are affected by climate change are actually ironically represented by climate change deniers. Um, and we have, uh, you know, this quandary of, looking out into the Atlantic when we know that the Atlantic is, is is changing rapidly and is rising rapidly and we have very vulnerable communities and unfortunately the process that I have to deliver to uh, people uh, particularly along the south and west coast is excruciatingly difficult um, and oftentimes, you know, as I said a while ago, John Paul, <coughs> we get um, somebody who'll pop up their head and object 
who may be from 150 or 200 miles away, not connected to the to the area in which we're trying to alleviate the, the problem at all. And um, is this are these so, the people you mentioned there who weren't from the area? And I, I'm aware of people who objected to the flood relief scheme in Bandon and also in other towns. And I suppose the Save the Cork City group would be very uh, well known in Cork City as well. But just in regards to Bandon, I mean, there was a lot of people who feel if they knew what would have happened or how it would turn out and how Bandon would look now compared to before, before the work was done, uh, they would have had more concern concerns and would have engaged more with what was happening uh, but then on the business side people are happy because their businesses haven't flooded yeah. and they felt they would have flooded over the last two or three years given the rainfall or storms we've had so th- th- there's two sides to that argument I mean, are you expecting that with, with Bantry I mean will people in Bantry should they expect high walls in their town well, that will look a lot different than it does now well, well the one thing they can expect is they, they will be consulted to the you know till their to the back teeth there will be loads of opportunities for people to have their say and I was very Strong with this, uh, with Kirk County Council the other day, and, and you know the Office of Public Works is very adamant that there would be no one left behind in terms of having their views heard. But ultimately, we have to be very honest with people that our our remit is to protect people from flooding. Uh, and when you have a situation where the sea is rising, uh, and you have to pr- you have to keep the sea out of a town, um, you know you you have to be fairly clear with people that that will involve an, an element uh, and a fairly significant element. Uh, of significant defences, um, and you have to be very clear with people from that from the start. Um, and you know, the priority for me as minister for the Office of Public Works is the defending of people from flooding. Um, and you know, when you stand in a, in a town like Bantry or Bandon, and I have connections to Bandon, I have my family living in Bandon. My brother has flooded, and um, my sister-in-law runs a shop there. And uh, you know, I'm very uh, connected to the Bandon Business Association. So, like, I mean, it is very, I often say, you know, and I don't hold back in this, that it is never the people who are flooded are the people that will hold back a, a town from a flood relief scheme. Um, and, you know, it is it is, it is is shockingly appalling to stand in someone's house um, where there is feces, urine, excrement of every sort of uh, uh, source, whether it is, you know, animal excrement or whatever, uh, having to be brushed out um, time and time and time again. No flood insurance, no recourse to any sort of financial assistance other than uh, what is available from the government um, uh, through the resources that are available there. Uh, and yet, um, a situation where a scheme that is ready and willing to be able to be delivered by the government is being put on a merry-go-round of objection. Um, and that is something that is just appalling in terms of people who need relief. So um, would you really, when you hear people who are not from the area, and I have a text here from a business person in Bandon who agrees with you, who said he was quite upset by people objecting to the flood relief scheme in Bandon. And then when he researched this, a lot of these people were not from the Bandon area. Some were from, from, from Kildare and some were from Dublin. Uh, he felt, what do they know about running a business in a town that continues to flood? We lost thousands over the years. And then these people object to how our town should look. At least now I can open my business after heavy rain before beforehand, I would not. Do you condemn people like this who feel that they can, well, they I have a right? You do. Sure they're, being, they're being given a right to do it. And I mean, like, you, you talk to the people in Mallow, uh, and I mean, when I was in college, and I was going up and down the road uh, from Newcastle West to Cork, constantly passing through the town of Mallow, and it used to be like the Atlantic Ocean looking out at it every time the black water burst its banks. And, you know, it was it, winter in, winter out. And it was constantly the same, and that town plan mail the same. Every winter, it was just a case of how many times was it going to flood. Not was it going to flood, but how many times was it going to flood. Um, and, I mean, the same is going to be left of all of these 
coastal communities now that we know that the sea is the biggest risk to this country going forward. It's the sea. And the reality is, for, for our coastal communities, and it's going to be a case of coastal erosion as much as the, the tide, we cannot afford to leave these communities behind. We just cannot afford to leave them. And, you know, to those people who are perennial objectors, um, as a state and as a society, we have to stand up to them and say that the people who are being flooded and who are at risk of uh, the, the tide and the sea level rising at a metre, a metre rise, together with a surge, together with a spring tide, together with southwesterly winds, and together with high levels of rainfall coming down that culvert, that town will be obliterated. And we just cannot afford to continue to have that scenario. Um, and that's why, you know, I, I, I really believe that um, people, when they get the opportunity to be consulted, they, the first thing that they have to bear in mind is maybe not how this will look, but how many people will it protect? You know, these things have to, you know, when you're, when you're asked ultimately for uh, your, your, your views on these things, is it how many houses will it protect? How many businesses will it give hope to? How many, how many people will be able to go to bed at night and know that tonight is not the night that the sea is going to come in the front door? And that ultimately is, is, is the objective of the Office of Public Works. And my objective as Minister for the Office of Public Works is to protect people. It's about protecting lives in many cases. I mean, when Cork flooded in, 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 in 2009, it's a miracle that there wasn't people drowned in their beds. And like, as we go forward <clears throat> with climate change and, and the, the, the aggressive nature uh, of um, uh, of these Atlantic storms and, and the frequency of them, and I know that they're all getting names now, but the reality is that we are playing chicken um, with these things, and it's only a matter of time because before some towns in the south and west of, these country, of this country are going to be obliterated with some sort of an Atlantic storm. And we saw it in West Clare, places like the Hinch, um, back with, um, I can't remember which one of them, there's so many of them back in the early de- part of the decade, um, and the OPW came in and we did a huge amount of work there in West Clare with Rockhammer to defend them. And in Sam Barrett proved that the work that the OPW did um, defended them. And now we want to do the same thing for Bantry. But there will be other Bantries along the West and South Coast. And we have to get on with that work. And I would appeal to people that when they're being consulted, not necessarily to, to think of, of, of aesthetics, but to think of people who are trying to make a living in towns like Bantry. Think of people who are trying to go to bed at night and ask themselves, well, I can't get insurance. I, I, I'm not going to be brushing out feces or urine out the front door in the morning. And it is a horrific situation to be in. Um, and, and in 2021, those people deserve better. And my job is to deliver to those people. And that's what I want to do. And on regarding consultation, you were saying there, when can people in the Bantry area see the first of consultations regarding this and the plans that will be in place to, to, to go and build these walls and change Bantry well, f- for a flood relief? I'd hope that uh, the consultants would be in place early in January and I'd be back down in January and that the, co- that the, the train will begin to leave the station. You know, uh, we have a situation in, in, the, in the Galway scheme, which is underway, that there's a, a specific website so that every element of the scheme, once the scheme is up and running, that all of the documentation, everything in relation is called Corrupt It is even a specific name because it's gone through the Gael up to there, uh, out in, um, in the Salt Hill area between... Uh, the Spanish art out through, it, through the Salt Hill. It's got a specific website. And I've asked that, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the Bantry one, that uh, all of the information will be freely available to people uh, and that they'd see the progress being made. But the problem with these things, of course, John Paul, is that the progress is so slow. And your listeners in Clannacilty and Bandon and Skibbereen and Fermay and Mellow, 
while they all know that, they've, that the relief is, is massive and that they, you know, that they, that they, that they, that they know that whether to storm Barra or storm Kieran or whichever storm comes, that they know that when the defences are being deployed on the backwater, and I saw them myself and for my and the, you know, whether they're demountable or whether they're permanent, um, and and the, the security that they provide to that town, um, they know that the, the, the security is, is massive and that it provides huge relief. It's an awful long time in terms of the first set of consultation to the handover of the scheme from the Office of Public Works to Cork County Council. But what I said to the business people the other day is we will go that journey with them and we're not going to walk away from this because our responsibility is set down by the government is to provide relief to those towns. And we will be set back and there will be, you know, we will be derailed along the way. I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt that there will be uh, problems. I have no doubt that there will be setbacks. But already in the last number of weeks, we have given additional funding uh, from uh, the Office of Public Works to Cork County Council to do minor works within the town of Bentry in terms of non-return valves and some of the stormwater. That will provide some relief in terms of um, as the stormwater comes up, the, the, the stormwater goal is to try and alleviate some of it. But when the sea comes in there um, into the square, you know, it is impossible to hold it back in this current in in the current farm in the current situation. Uh, and before I let you go, uh, Patrick, I have a text in here from a councillor Declan Hurley, who is from Dumanway and based in Dumanway. He is asking me to ask you: Will the minister prioritise funding for flood prevention works needed for Chapel Street in Dunmanway? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I've met Declan before, and I know the, the story there. And I, again, I know that there's a you know that scheme is is a separate scheme uh, and. Mm. Again, you know, Cork County Council will be engaging with the Office of Public Works, uh, and hopefully in the new year, when I've gone, when I go back down to to Bantry, uh, I want to see you know the completed works um, that have been done in Skibreen. There's other works that have been to be finished in in Bandon, uh, and and I'm going to call to to the men as well. And at that stage, you know, I've no problem in 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 seeing directly what the, the issue that Declan has raised with me previously and see what progress uh, OPW can make with Cork County Council on that. You know, that's my job to engage with underground. Uh, and I know that over the last 12 months since I was down in the August, um, a huge amount of damage that was done last August, 12 months. In that intervening period, I have to really pay tribute to the engineering staff of OPW and Cork County Council. And we have a lot of detractors. You know, an awful lot of people say, you know, we're out to, um, and, and of course the keyboard warriors, no shortage of those. Um, people sitting at home at night with nothing better to do and then bemoan the fact that uh, Cork County Council and the OPW have done uh, X, Y and Z. But the reality is, look at the reality on the ground in terms uh, of the delivery of relief to people who can sleep in their bed at night in that necklace of towns, Fermi, Mallow, Skibbereen, Bandon, Planakilty and all the other communities that have received minor work funding through the Office of Public Works. And so you'd, you'd ask people to look, look at those examples and first. And we to do more. Yeah. OK, I must leave it there, uh, Minister. But thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. That is Minister Patrick O'Donovan, who is responsibility for the Office of Public Works and, of course, a man from Newcastle West. Uh, your viewers are welcome. 1850 333 103 R&D text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. Our vet will be along from 12.30 answering all your pet questions. 
questions. If you have a question for Jane, get that into us now uh, to Bernie on 1850-333-103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us after 12.30. And just for people who have been in contact, and this was on our news yesterday evening, uh, the ball water notice that was uh, in issue over the last, since October, I think it was, uh, for the McCroom Public Water Supply, that was lifted yesterday evening so no more boiling water in McCroom that now lifted but still if you're on Whitty Island that do not consume water notice that still does remain in place for those on Whitty Island and just a note for those living in the Rochestown area and this is from Irish Water and indeed from Cork City Council uh, that those in Rochestown uh, there will be a water outage tonight from 10 o'clock until 6am tomorrow morning and when I say Rochestown it does include the wider area of Mount Oval Village Gary Duff Thornbury View Thornbury Heights Clarks Hill and indeed parts of Passage West so uh, tonight from 10 o'clock until 6am tomorrow morning no water in those areas and wider areas of Rochestown including parts of Passage West. Now we asked you earlier on to text in or WhatsApp in if you would like to go along and see Riverlands with thanks to Acom Promotions. Riverlands is live at the marquee next June 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th. We have tickets to give away here at C103 all week. We've been asking you to text or WhatsApp in. We have a person now who has just done that and I'm going to Colin and I'm joined by Marie Morley. Good afternoon, Marie. Hi, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine. How are you keeping? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. All good today, and Colin? All good, yeah. That's yeah. it. Would you like to go along next year for a, a night out to live the marquee? It. Yeah, I'd I, love it. Are you a fan of Riverlands? I am, yeah. It's fabulous. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Real feel yeah. good. And we need feel yeah. good at the moment. Exactly, to be great. Something to look forward to. Exactly. And speaking of looking forward, how was your Christmas planning going? Have you a lot on or a lot in over Christmas? Yeah, no, um, kept busy now planning, you know, getting ready, all the presents and things like that. So it's, you know, yeah. getting there. The, the excitement with the week to go, that's all part exactly. of it. Yeah, this is the best yeah. time usually. Well, let's get straight into it because uh, you could be going along next year to enjoy Riverdance next June. And what now you have to do is choose between a river or a dance themed question. So which question are you going to go for? Um, I'll go with the river theme. The river, very good. You're the first person choosing river this week, oh, Marie, so hopefully okay. it goes well for you. All oh, right, okay. what have they given me? Here we go. Here is your river question. Name the fashion store in Cork's Opera Lane with the name River on it. River Island. Oh, well done, straight Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. Free. Well done, Marie. You are off yeah. next June to Riverdance, live at the marquee. Enjoy it. That's brilliant. Thanks, John Paul. Take and care happy and happy Christmas. and many happy returns to you, Marie. Thank Enjoy you. your Christmas Bye. day. Take care. Thanks. Marie Colin there, or Marie Morley in Colin there, winning herself to Riverdance live at the Marquee. With thanks to Aiken Promotions, it's live at the Marquee next June 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Your wake wins, or your way continues to win here at C103. Uh, tomorrow, we will be sending another person to go along and see Riverdance live at the Marquee. Stay tuned to that, for, to that tomorrow morning here from uh, 10 a.m. on Cork Today. Uh, now, we are going back to a lot of comments into us over the last uh, half an hour or so. This, first of all, to do with the flooding situation in Bantry. And Tom in Bantry says that there are three rivers running into the town of Bantry and there needs to be a soak pit put in place before the water gets into the town. That's what Tom feels. Also, we need tidal gates to control the rate of the tide coming into Bantry. And then Michael is in Mallow. And when we were discussing what's happening there in Bantry, uh, what came up for discussion was people who object to 
situations like this when it comes to flood relief schemes and we've seen a lot, a lot of objections over the years to these type of schemes and uh, I suppose a business person from Bandon that texted in earlier uh, who said that they were frustrated at those who were objecting to what was going to go on in Bandon and I know people have mixed views on how the town looks like now or what it looks like now after the relief works but that business person says at least after heavy rainfall I can open and the business is not flooded now some in the town may still get some type of flooding but overall after heavy rain the flooding is not as bad as it was uh, going back a number of years ago so they're thankful for the relief scheme and feel that the town itself they feel will benefit in the years to come uh, for this but they were very angry that people from the likes of Kildare and Dublin were objecting to the scheme when they were the ones that weren't affected they were the ones that weren't going into their business uh, every second month or so at, at some stage uh, it was a situation whereby there was a flood one month and two months later we had another bad flood and the businesses w- were the ones affected and not only that those living in the flood areas of the town they were affected and they were very annoyed when uh, those who were objecting were not from the area and weren't suffering firsthand as a result of the flooding well Michael is in Mallow and Michael feels the whole process of people being able to object to planning needs to be looked at there there needs to be a register of objectors to see if a person is a serial objector. The fee for objecting should be way more than just twenty euro. It is not enough of a deterrent. Michael's house project was delayed by over six months, and this was because of was of uh, of the objection. I think it was, um, and because of this objection to his house, the project then was delayed. And it was a ridiculous cost to him because the further the delay went on, Michael said, uh, it cost a lot of money. Uh, That's Michael in Mallow on that. And regarding the flood relief scheme in Bantry, uh, Ray on Twitter says the next steps for this scheme, uh, given that there's a glacier going to melt and the sea levels will rise at least a foot and guaranteed any current plans will ignore this. I will hope uh, that they do take this on board, uh, says Ray. And that is the, uh, the glacier there he's mentioning, by the way, is something that's been reported in the papers this morning of a glacier that is going melting I think in Antarctica uh, and going to break away and that we'll see within the next five years they reckon that this glacier will break up and it will see uh, sea levels then rising right across the world and there's a concern for coastal towns and coastal areas so thank you Ray on Twitter too at C103 Cork and also Michael and Mallow on the issue of roads and we discussed that earlier on what the Road Safety Authority do wish to bring in uh, and the measures to reduce road deaths by 2050 and in the next 10 years, they want to see a significant impact of road deaths reducing on our roadways. Well, on this, a uh, texture says, and this is regards to what John N. Carrick Tool was saying about yellow lines being non-existent in city areas and the yellow boxes disappearing. He feels that is causing a problem for road users and the lines, the white lines on laneways in the city are kind of faded, says John N. Carrick Tool. And that is leading to accidents in some locations. Well, another WhatsApp here is saying the yellow lines when it comes to country areas, they're non-existent. They're worn away. And this can be very dangerous as some drivers don't dim their lights. So when they don't dim their lights, then uh, and you have bright lights flashing into you, it's very hard to see where you are on the road if the line isn't there or the cat's eyes aren't there uh, earlier on Nora was on regarding the high numbers in relation to the various cases of COVID that's been reported at the moment overseas and the fear of what could happen here and of course as we mentioned there is uh, talks going on today with Nefish on if further restrictions will be coming in well on that uh, and Nora saying earlier on in the show that she felt pubs should close and that they should not you know 
reopen until January maybe or, or later in the year. Jay feels and disagrees with Nora. Jay says if that is the case, Nora should be closed and should stay at home. If Nora is so worried about that, she sh- should stay at home herself, says Jay on text to 0862103103. And in relation to a lot of calls we got this week on scam calls and people being scammed and uh, callers claiming they're from Amazon or from different companies. Well, here's another one this morning from Tim in Bandon who says, I just had a phone call from a guy, supposedly anyway, claiming he was from Microsoft and that there was malicious downloads on my computer. I called him a scammer and I hung up and that call came in on an 085 prefix. He rang back to know why I hung up. And that call was on an 088 prefix. So the scammers have not gone away at all, says Tim in Bandon on uh, 1850 to Bernie or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And on the way, as I said, Jane's along shortly answering all your pet questions and we will be hearing about Christmas from the Blackwater at Mallock Castle. What's ahead this Saturday? But we had get up and go diaries to give away uh, during the week and that all came from when Brendan Sands joined us about those positive Positive, uplifting diaries that he releases every year for 2020. We need a lot of that at the moment. Uh, we have more to give away. Two more today. We have a get up and go Irish diary and a well-being diary. If you would like those, just text the word diary along with your name and where you are with your full address to text or WhatsApp 086 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And tonight's bingo is cancelled at the GAA club in Bandon. This is due to the death of the late Dennis McCarthy, club vice president and bingo caller. And our sympathies to the McCarthy family in Bandon on the passing of Dennis. And Mallow Meals on Wheels will be delivering right through the Christmas season, including Christmas Day, St. Stephen's Day and all public and bank holidays between December 20th and January 3rd. Normal Monday to Friday deliveries then will resume on the 4th of January 2022 with Mallow Meals on Wheels. And Bandon Art Club, they will have their 2022 calendar for sale at the Farmers Markets. That's going ahead this Saturday. They're also available in local outlets. And Korma Ella, the Mallow Community Choir, they will be carol singing outside the Town Hall in Mallow. That is going ahead this coming Saturday from 3 to 4pm. And all donations will go to local charities. C103. And on the objections and people objecting to various developments John is in Bandon. He says everyone is entitled to object but why should they accept an objection from people who are living miles and miles away from where the development is going ahead and the 20 euro charge is just a joke says John in Bandon and that's with regards to the, the planning application for flood relief schemes that we've been discussing there and how people are objecting to schemes in Cork from uh, the likes of Kildare and Dublin and how people in Bandon were saying earlier when we were speaking about Bantry that it was unfair that people were able to object from those areas who weren't affected by the flooding, whose homes weren't flooded every you know winter or every time there was heavy rain and indeed businesses who suffered so much over the years, you know, they weren't impacted by this and John says, you know, more needs to be done uh, by way of actually deterring people to object when they don't live in the area. John abandoned to 1850 Now Christmas from the Blackwater is an event taking place this Saturday at Mallow Castle and Keith Woodgate is the organiser and he joins me. Good afternoon to you, Keith. Good afternoon, JP. Uh, first of all, on the day itself, I mean, you held this uh, earlier on this year, was quite a success. What can people expect on the day? What kind of music will be there? Well, listen, 
I've loads of music. <laughs> Plenty <laughs> okay, enough. Too much. I, listen, I have uh, the ultimate Buble, which is a Michael Buble tribute, which is be singing Christmas songs and Michael Buble hits. I've Pascal Brennan, who does a fantastic Joe Dolan tribute. I have Kish, who are kind of a a tread pop band, um, and I've got the Love Bugs, which are a party band. And other than that, on another little stage, I have people, you know, singing Christmas carols, Christmas hits. Um, we've got Santa Claus about 25 stalls with food and uh, crafts and uh, other things, you know, like um, face painters, balloon modelers, um, fire eaters, stilt walkers, and lots of characters for the kids. So lots of things. Excellent. Yeah, you have a lot covered there and I think you have the, the music taste cover for all anyhow when you go from Michael Bublé to Joe Dolan and a bit of trad and rock pop uh, in there as well. The craft and food stalls you say there that will form part of the day, are they all locally and locally produced uh, food and crafts? Yeah, the majority of them are local. So they're from, from Sheen's Butchers doing barbecue stuff to uh, people like Blackwater Candles and stuff like that. Uh, about 25 of them altogether. Excellent, that's great to hear. And the setting itself, I mean, Keith, as you'll be well aware, it's a beautiful setting and a great location. I mean, some will say it should be used more uh, for concerts and for events like this. Well, that's the, that's the plan going forward for next year when all this COVID thing is hopefully behind us um, to run a few bigger events down there, you know. I'd love to have a whole weekend of music, some big acts. Um, and that's the plan. Yeah, and grow that, something like that, because I think North Cork is missing out. I mean, we yeah. always hear of events happening across the city and, and East Cork and West Cork, but there hasn't been that leadership, I suppose, in a way in North Cork for this to happen. So, you know, as you say, once things hopefully uh, return to some normality and better next year, uh, that you could make some type of a, a new festival maybe and increase tourism in North yeah. Cork, which is what they are trying to do anyhow, increase the tourism footprint for the it, North and East Cork is, area. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Mallow is a big catchment area. It's a great town. We've got the rail and service and the bus service and the hotels you know so why can't Mallow do it yeah yeah true and you mentioned Santa there now he's very busy as we all know at this time of the oh, year he's but he, he's really busy but he is going to make an appearance at what time do you think he will appear for people who want to go along and, and see him or even meet him he'll be around for about two and a half to three hours okay. what we're doing just to keep it socially distant is I kind of have this big giant picture frame and Santa will be sitting behind it and there's uh, chairs in front and the kids and families can sit down and take their own photographs with Santa just to keep it socially distant you know with the times they're in yeah totally so yeah, that's a good idea two and a half three hours for, from about era past 12 one o'clock on and the whole event starts around midday so if people want to get involved and if they want to get in tickets uh, how can they get in touch well uh, tickets are available on event price there's uh, loads of family options there's, I think it's 20 euro for a family of uh, two adults and two kids, 23 euro for two adults and three kids. And I'm sure it's 25 or 26 euro for four four kids and two adults. But there'll also be um, a limited amount of tickets available on the gate. Okay, well, Keith, I uh, wish you the very best of luck with it. As I say, during the summer it went well, so hopefully this goes very well for you. I'm sure it will. And best of luck to all the uh, performers on the day as well yes. for Christmas from the Blackwater. Thanks so much for your time. Take care. Thank Thanks you. That is Keith Woodgate there and that happening this Saturday from 12pm, 12, 12 midday at the Mallow Castle Christmas from the Blackwater and as you heard there a lot of variety on the day for all uh, from those various singers and Santa and locally produced food and craft stalls as well so uh, a must if you're in the North Cork and Mallow area this coming Saturday. If you have a pet question for us Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us very shortly. You can get those into Bernie now 
1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 103 103 we'll be joining Jane next C103 and earlier Nora was concerned at the rising numbers of Covid and her suggestion was to close the pubs well Nora I can tell you no one agrees with you there uh, the girls in Mallow have been on WhatsApp and they say no the pub is all we have at the moment to get out and meet people we want to meet before Christmas in a safe environment so tell Nora if she's talking about this tell her stay at home because these people in hospitality they need to make money as well said the girls in Mallow on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and I don't know if anybody saw the Bungalow Bliss programme last night on television Uh, just two comments in on this and I think at this stage we'll probably get back to this in more detail tomorrow if we get enough commentary on it but this is from Kalesh who says did anybody watch that show last night on the bungalows I mean are all bungalows and all those who want to do up and redo these bungalows are they all past lotter winners I mean you spoke earlier JP about the lotter not being won have these people won it in the past because with the changes they make to the house they more or less demolish the bungalow and they start again and then I heard a mention of hot tubs and I heard a mention of marble counters at one stage I mean are they just made of money and then Timmy says I think that programme would be better off if they just looked at a normal bungalow and then maybe spent about 50k of a transformation or a smaller budget it's very easy to transform a home like they are doing on TV when you were spending like no tomorrow with no limit it would seem for those people we all could have fantastic homes if we had no limit in the spending and that's Timmy on a text or WhatsApp 0862103103 if you did watch that programme uh, Bungo Bliss on television last night your pet questions are welcome because Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joins us on this Thursday afternoon uh, good afternoon to you Jane Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. You can get those questions into Bernie by phone 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And Jane, a lot of people are picking up on what's in the news this week and I suppose it's the yearly advice from uh, those who see the worst cruelty to animals. And These are those like the ISPCA and the Dublin uh, Society Prevention Cruelty to Animals and, and there was one here in Cork as well. I mean, basically they're all saying the one thing. If you are getting a puppy for Christmas beware of the consequences they're not just going to be around for Christmas they're there for life and you have to factor in the cost and the maintenance of looking after a puppy so it's something some listeners wanted us to touch on this afternoon Jane and I'm sure you would agree with all those in the societies that do look after animals and their advice Absolutely I think you know getting getting a puppy getting a kitten need to be prepared for a good 10 to 15 year life commitment they will be in your house every day you will have to make sure that they can be fed water their medical treatment taken care of and lots of love and affection they can't just be cast aside after the the fun puppy stage has has ended it is a real lifetime commitment not just financially but an investment kind of emotionally and in your lifestyle so you really need to think it through exceptionally well what i would say in addition to that is if you are considering getting a puppy or kitten for Christmas I personally cannot imagine a worse time of the year to do it that will you know it's going to cause undue stress for that puppy or kitten being placed into a new home at that time of year there is lots of people around lots of strange things going on more noise than normal lots of visitors it will be absolutely overwhelming for any young or even an adult animal being rehomed at that time of year it's really really challenging so not only is it a case of you need to really be prepared for the lifetime commitment um 
really this time of year is the worst time of year you could introduce a pet to your household. So really, really think twice on that one. Yeah, and there's so much going on as well, as you mentioned there, not only with Christmas and the preparations, but the cost factor as well, because you must, I presume, cost in the factor of food and bills even and, and taking the dog to the vet. That must be looked after as well. I mean, there, there can be a big cost factor. There can indeed. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, you, you take on a puppy or a kitten or even an older dog. You really need to be prepared to the financial input required. It, I don't know. It's not good enough in a sense to say, oh, well, I've, I've got the pet now and I can't afford its medical treatment or I can't afford its, its you know, a good quality food. You know, circumstances change and we all understand that. But you need to, you know, account for well, what might happen in the next 10 to 15 years that I could reasonably predict. Will I be able to financially bear the burden if my pet gets sick? Another really important thing to think about is, well, you know, do you take out pet insurance to soften the blow should the worst occur and your pet require treatment? Because, you know, they're sentient little beings. We we are responsible for their welfare in all in all senses, both kind of behavioral and emotional, making sure they have adequate stimulation and a happy home environment. But also medically, we really need to make sure that their preventative care, be that vaccination, flea and worming is kept up to date. So the preventable diseases can be prevented. And if the worst does happen and our pet does get ill, that we have the ability to take care of them if that does occur. So it's a really, really big financial financial consideration to, to have. OK, well, we'll move on to questions, Jane. And the first one in this afternoon is from Madeline, who says, My cat, who is 14 years old, is eating five, four or five sachets of food every day. But I'm also concerned that I never got her teeth checked. Is there anything that would suggest that I could do to clean them or, or should I clean them? So if it's a young kitten, then it's a really good time to start things like toothbrushing, because although toothbrushing sounds like a big chore, if your pet is really used to it and accepts it quite readily, it's something that can be done very easily. Once it's started quite young in life, generally, and it's the best thing to prevent the onset of dental disease. If it's a little bit older, it's a bit more challenging. There are other ways that we can use to prevent dental disease, be they, let's say, water additives or food additives, but nothing is as good as the mechanics of of toothbrushing. What I would say, however, is once dental disease exists, we are no longer preventing it. We are treating it. So what I would say is if you're not sure what's going on with your, your cat's teeth or if you have any concerns that they haven't been checked within the last year, I would say a general health check um, on an annual basis for that pet would be a really great idea. For seniors, let's say over the age of eight, nine, particularly with cats, I would advise every six months for an annual health check. Um, your vet will be able to examine the teeth, see if they feel that um, dental work might be required. And really, it is a case that, you know, once dental disease exists, we are treating it on an ongoing basis. And once it, once the, let's say, tartar is there, it will require scaling and polishing um, and a full mouth examination under general anaesthetic to safely remove that. And then it's a lot of um, at home maintenance. And that will be something best discussed with your vet, just purely because they'll be able to have a chat with you about, well, what does your cat eat and what is your lifestyle like and what might be the appropriate solution for you to to get the best prevention for your cat. Um, Four or five sachets a day um, does sound like quite a lot of cat food. It might be that you have quite a large cat and that may be the appropriate amount of food for your cat's brand. But if you do have any concerns about weight loss in the face of a kind of a quite voracious appetite that will be another indicator that you need to visit your vet for for a full physical exam just to catch any issues early because um, I suppose a, an increased appetite in the face of let's say a weight loss for example in an older cat can sometimes be an indication of thyroid issues so it's just important to bear that in mind as well. 
Okay, and hi, can you ask Jane, does she know how to stop a dog digging? We got this little fella a couple of months ago and have put sprays and chicken wire up, but he just moves to a new spot and my lawn is looking like a ploughing field now. So any advice, Jane, for this texter? Okay, this is a really tough one because it's not an easy solution. I can understand it's really frustrating because nobody wants their lovely garden dug up. This little dog needs a bit more mental stimulation. Generally, when we see kind of destructive or stereotypical behaviours in in dogs, it is because they're either frustrated or they don't have enough mental stimulation or interaction. So it's probably going, oh, well, you know, digging in the garden is fun. That's fulfilling some of my kind of mental needs to, you know, do something and, you know, destruct something outside. So that's what they do. If this little dog had, let's say, lots of lots of attention from the family, it had a structured kind of training program, which is not necessarily to stop it digging, but more to get that brain working and build that bond with yourselves. And if it had an adequate amount of walks at least twice a day, I suspect that the behavior may settle down may never disappear completely. Once a behavior like that starts to become quite well established, it can be quite difficult to break. But really kind of uh, focusing on making sure your your dog has lots of mental stimulation, get that brain working, whether it be lots of kind of interactive play with your dog, lots of training, I suspect it may settle down. If you're really struggling despite that, it would be appropriate to get a dog behaviorist involved. But if you are to do that, have a word with your local vet because they'll be able to let you know who they know and would recommend locally in the area, but also a list of professionals that might be appropriately qualified to give you the correct advice. Okay, and Emer is an Arhala. She wants to know from you, Jane, what food is best for cats? Would it be dried food or wet or a mixture of both? I generally advocate a mixture. Um, once upon a time, we used to say that, you know, just crunchy food was that was the best thing to do. And certainly we do know that crunchy food does have an impact on their dental health. So it does generally in cats that we see that have been fed a slightly crunchier diet. So kibble and um, their dental health does appear to be slightly better than those that would just be fed a wet food diet. But actually, we know that sometimes their their kidney and bladder health can be you know better if they do have some element of wet food in their diet um so i would normally advocate a, a little bit of a mix um would be the best option but a good complete cat food is the best way to go i wouldn't advocate let's say home cooked diets or any raw feeding like that because it's very very difficult to make it safe first of all for you and your family but also to to make it a complete diet so that the right balance of vitamins and minerals are there for your cat so i would stick to commercial cat food but do a little mix of wet and dry Okay, and Connor is in Turner's Cross. Uh, Connor has a Labrador, 15 years old, uh, but in the last uh, three or four years, his Labrador is suffering from arthritis and they have noticed in the last four months his legs now are really starting to give way, especially on the back. Uh, Is there anything that they can do to prolong his life, is Connor is asking. Okay, so I think the really key thing here is it sounds like this condition may have been progressing for a wee while and certainly old age and infirmity and let's say the diseases that come along with old age such as arthritis can be a big problem in these in this population of dogs. I think the really important thing here is it's not just prolonging his life, it's really thinking about quality of life. So for dogs, you know, their their perception is in the current moment. They don't really have a, a comprehension of how long they'll live. What they know is how comfortable they feel today, how mobile they feel today. So I think really focusing on optimizing the quality of life for this little dog rather than the quantity of life would be the way to go. And really what I would suggest to do that is this dog really needs to visit a vet. 
there are a number of things that we can do to improve your dog's comfort and hence his quality of life in the face of stiffness and, and arthritis. And that may be pain medication um, and maybe joint support medication. Um, but I really think that this little dog is sounds like he's struggling. A lot of the time we can get progression, so weakness in the back, limb, back limbs because it's kind of a vicious cycle when they're sore on their back legs they want to walk less they want to stand up and rise less so we begin to get a little bit of muscle wastage so the, the limbs become less strong than they were before and that can sometimes compound the effects of the arthritis and, and make them really quite let's say weak and struggle to move around and that sounds like possibly what might be going on in this case and certainly some kind of allied therapies like physiotherapy and hydrotherapy could be really really helpful but what I would say is it's suited to some pets and not others and I think it really would be best at this stage to to make an appointment with your vet to just fully assess the situation see what can be done to improve comfort and, and see if something like physiotherapy or hydrotherapy might be beneficial in, in your little dog's case. Okay well hopefully that helps um, Connor there in Turner's Cross and then uh, text in and this is from Cathy who's in Douglas Cathy wants to know diabetes do dogs can they get diabetes and is it more common in Westies than in other breeds because her neighbour's Westie has seemingly developed diabetes as far as they're aware and they're, they're still undergoing tests but she has a Westie herself and she's wondering you know is it quite common in that breed Okay so yes indeed Dogs can get diabetes, as can cats. They present slightly differently, though. Um, with dogs, generally with diabetes, they'll present to us being drinking a lot and peeing a lot is the classical thing that we see. And sometimes a bit of weight loss as well. Very occasionally, we can get signs of changes within their eyes. So dogs, unfortunately, can get cataracts, so a problem in their the lens of their eye that causes blindness as a result of diabetes. So it's really important to, to catch it and manage it so that your dog can feel, feel well and try and prevent the progression of disease. With Westies, I'd have to double check and do a little bit of research. I don't believe that there's an obvious kind of breed specific um, predilection that I'm aware of. However, what I will say is just thinking back on the diabetic cases I've had in the last few years, there has been a few Westies there. Um, so certainly I would say if you have any concerns, an annual vet check or certainly if you have any more pressing concerns, particularly regarding drinking or peeing habits changing, a visit to your vet, maybe armed with a little pee sample from your dog would be a really helpful thing. Um, normally let's say in older pets I'd recommend annual blood work and annual pee samples um, just to keep on top of things and that will be the kind of thing that will be able to catch a, a diabetic dog early in the course of disease so that it could be appropriately treated and managed OK and uh, finally Tim is in McCroom now he's got a puppy the puppy's about four or five months old he thinks but uh, since they got the puppy in the last few weeks he's going out on the driveway and eating gravel now he's unsure if he's swallowing the gravel because they're trying to take it out of his mouth when he starts to try and, and, and chew it uh, but is there any way that we can prevent or stop uh, this puppy from eating gravel asks Tim Okay, I think until you get the situation under control, I would try and either have him just purely supervised if he's in that area of the driveway or try and prevent his access to it. Um, sadly, the cases of foreign bodies, so swallowed objects such as gravel, stones, um, are really, really common in young dogs. Um, unfortunately, they learn about their world by putting things in their mouth, generally in kind of the, the early months of their life. That's the equivalent of their hands, essentially. So it may just be that he's trying to learn about the world by feeling what the stones feel like. But if this is a habit where he's doing it all of the time and not just once in a blue moon and picking up a stone, um, then I would say that very similar to our earlier caller with the digging um, of the holes within the garden, 
this little puppy is probably kind of uh, fulfilling its need to search the environment for mental stimulation. So the same things goes as for our caller about the digging. Make sure you engage in training, a lot of interactive play. Make sure your puppy gets walked an appropriate amount for for its breed and age. Um, and you may find the thing settle down, but really I would make sure they're supervised there until you get everything under control just to avoid any accidents with them swallowing swallowing stones because that can, can result in a very serious operation being required. Okay, Jane, well, hopefully that helps uh, Tim and McCroom for the moment. Thanks for joining us this afternoon and a very Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Take care. That is Jane there, uh, our resident vet, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. The Get Up and Go Diary winners for today, well done to Phil Irwin, who is in Ballymacoda, and Helen Cannon in Clonakilty, winning herself Get Up and Go Diaries for 2022. And we spoke with Tommy Fleming, remember, on the show a few weeks ago. And he is returning to Cork Opera House early next February, the 4th and 5th of February. And just to let you know, there was some confusion over the dates. Um, no, I don't know, was it people misheard them or what? But anyhow, it is still going ahead and he, he is still playing Cork Opera House in February is Tommy Fleming. And hi to Shane on email who says that they are fundraising for the Cork Mental Health Foundation this year with a Christmas lights display. And the lights display is at his parents' house in Leitrim in Kilworth and he says locals have been amazing to donate so the lights will be on in Kilworth at his parents house in Leitrim Uh, that is from 5pm to 9pm every evening until the new year and proceeds going to the Cork Mental Health Foundation and I know we have uh, other households doing similar and we've mentioned them over the last while and we will continue to mention them as well uh, up until Christmas and throughout and we heard from Nora earlier remember she was asking should the pubs close and she feels they should and the majority of Texan says no and uh, for a number of reasons including the hospitality needs to remain open well a texter here says Nora is right pubs should be closed they are telling us be careful with who we meet and we are still afraid of this virus even though fully vaccinated and boosters uh, got COVID it's alive and kicking how can anyone feel safe in a bar beats me says this texter with so many people I know six at a table is fine but sure when people go to the toilets they will meet others that's not in their group and will chat on the way back to the table and will talk again to the other people around the table and of course same happens in the smoking area so this person on text says cop on uh, so agrees with Nora on text 0862103103 and the Premier League live it is back this Saturday on c103.ie with Trevor Walsh powered by Talk Sport and this Saturday he'll bring you live coverage of Manchester United taking on Brighton at 12.30 Aston Villa take on Burnley at 3 and Leeds United take on Arsenal at 5.30 the Premier League live online with Now stream live Premier League action with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership and you can listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced we'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am with Cork Today Patricia Messenger uh, she will be back tomorrow morning from 10am with Cork Today. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy the remainder of your Thursday chat to you Sunday morning with the Irish Sunday across North and East Cork and Cork City and indeed John Green in West Cork. Until then, enjoy your Thursday afternoon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. 
The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.